You guys been getting some out of this Hope series on Sunday mornings. Uh, this might be the last message of the Hope series. Not saying a definite, but it might be the last message uh, for the Hope series, and we'll go on to something different. Uh, but have you guys enjoyed it? Has it helped you? And um, talking about overcoming anxiety and depression, worry, fear, what God has to say about it. And um, we're going to start in Matthew 11 in verse 28. Let me say something real quick about life groups. How many like your life group? Life group leaders, look around. Make sure all your people are raising their hands or they're in a lot of trouble. Let me say this about life groups real quick. I know we're, we're two months into this now. And uh, we've been doing life together. I know some of you, it's, it's a shocker for you because you've been living alone by yourself and doing things by yourself for a long time. And it, it's out of your comfort zone. But it's good for you because you need people. You need each other. Everybody needs somebody else. We can't do this thing alone. We won't make it. Um, but just a quick reminder. I know it's a couple months into it. And so uh, the, uh, the honeymoon feelings could be wearing off right now with your life group. Uh, hopefully they're not, uh, but if they are, realize you're going to get out of your life group what you put into your life group, and if you give it 100% and you decide, hey, when I'm there, I'm going to be open, I'm going to talk to people, I'm going to eat the food, can I get amen, I'm going to enjoy this time, and go beyond that and say, hey, you know what, outside of this life group time, I'm going to do life with people, I'm going to call somebody in my life group, I'm going to go get coffee, I'm going to go to the gym with them. I'm going to go to the park. We're going to hang out. We're going to do life together, not just in our life group times. The more you do that, the more you'll get out of it. And uh, you have to make that commitment. Your life group leader can't make that decision for you. You have to do that. Uh, And you can reach out to not just your life group leaders, but how about other people in the group? You can go do stuff with them and actually live life together like the church should. And so just a friendly encouragement from your local pastor. Um, You'll get out of it what you put into it. So uh, make sure you're, you're investing in it. Like I said, it's, it shouldn't be that big a re- responsibility. It's only uh, twice a month, most months. And uh, I just encourage you. I know it's already helping a lot of you in here. It should be helping all of you in here. Uh, but just invest in that. Invest in your life group leaders. If you have issues, if uh, you have things you need to discuss, go to them. That's what they're there for. Go to people in your group and do life together. So uh, I think life group is a hit so far. Okay, <laughs> so uh, I just encourage you, invest in it, and what you put into it is what you'll get out of life groups. So Matthew 11 and verse uh, 28, we're going to read here in a moment, and actually this is the verse that dad, uh, when he was coming out of drug addiction, after three years of drug addiction, he was in a youth service, and this is the scripture that he got saved on, this scripture right here. Matthew 11 Verse 28, this is Jesus speaking red letter. It says, come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Can you guys underline rest for me today? Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find, notice, rest. Notice what he says, for your souls. Rest for your souls. Rest for your souls, because that's where you need it. We've been talking about in this whole, whole entire series that the battleground of the enemy is your soul. He attacks your soul. He attacks your mind, your will, your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings, uh, to get you out of the plan of God, to get you away from where you should be in your life, to destroy your life. He attacks your soul. And notice, Jesus said, 
he came that we would have rest for our souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Knows that for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're taking notes today, uh, the title of this message is rest for your soul. Rest for your soul. So today we're going to talk about rest this morning. Is that okay? Hopefully you're not going to rest during this message, right? You're not going to close your eyes and, t- and tune out and take your nap. You could take a nap later on Sunday, but just not during the message, hopefully. But we're going to talk today about rest for your soul. Rest for your soul. Now, um, let's turn back to the beginning, and uh, we'll start here. Genesis 1, going all the way back to the beginning. We're going Genesis to Revelation today. Buckle up. Genesis 1. So we're going to talk today about rest, but rest pertaining to rest for your soul. And this message has everything to do with hope. It has everything to do with healing. It has everything to do with anxiety and depression. Because if you're not at rest in your soul, it's going to come out in anxiety, worry, fear, depression. But when your soul's at rest and at peace with God, those issues take care of themselves. And really the root of all those issues, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, it all goes back to your soul. The inward man, your spirit and your soul. All of the issues that we face in life go back to the inside. They'll come out in your body, they'll come out in your mind, they'll come out in your words, they'll come out in relationships, they'll come out in other areas, but the root of all those issues is in your soul, your inward man. And so we're talking today about rest for your souls. Now, we live in the Western world. We live in the United States of America, which is a wonderful country. But I will say this. We don't know anything about resting. As a country and as the Western world, we know nothing about it. And we have suffered because of it. And... The thing is, if you go to the Eastern world, let's just say like the Middle East or Asia or countries like that, um, where really a lot of um, this got started, they know a lot more about rest than the Western world does. And we think we're so sophisticated and because we're so powerful and we got so much money in the United States that we know everything about everything. And it's pride. All right, patriot. It's the truth. It's pride. And... There's people in that part of the world, they might not have as much as we have. They might not uh, be as powerful as we are, but they know something about rest that we don't. In the Eastern world, if you know anything about them, especially in the, the Middle East, Asia, even into Europe, those people know how to rest a lot better than Americans know how to rest. You know, it's been proven that the amount of vacation and time they spend with their family is so much more than the people that live in the United States. The United States, most people don't even take their vacation because it's all about money. It's all about what they can get. And they're in this cycle, and it's really killing them, and they don't realize it. And God said you need to rest, and we're not just talking about physical rest today. That's part of it we're going to get into. We're talking about rest for your souls. And like I'm saying, even people in other parts of the world know more about this than we do and have put it in their time and have put it in their schedule. And they're realizing countries uh, like 
in Europe and countries in Asia and in the Middle East have so much better work atmospheres and better production because they actually let their people rest. They actually give them time to take vacation. They actually give them time to be with their family. They give them time and they put that as a culture in their calendar because they realize it's important. And it's not just a natural thing. God said this way before anybody ever mentioned the word vacation. God put this into his creation way before we ever decided that we needed a break or a rest or a weekend. God put this in his creation and it's so important. Now, we as the Western world, especially United States of America, we, we live by this motto. We want it quicker. We want it faster. We want more but we're working ourselves to death. We want more of everything, and really uh, the example is this, and people have given this example before, but just like a pet hamster on a, on a cage, in a cage on those little spinning wheels. That's what a lot of people are like, especially in the United States of America, but all around the world, that's what they're like. They're running so fast, but they're going nowhere. They're putting out so much energy, but they're going nowhere. Why? Because they're never resting. They just want more. They want better. They want faster. But it's actually killing not just your body, but it's hurting your soul. And that's the issue. Because if we're not at rest in our souls, we won't be resting our emotions. We won't be resting our bodies. And if we're not at rest in our souls, eventually, eventually, now hear this. Eventually, it will come back, and it will come out in our body. It will come back in our emotions. If we're not at rest in our souls, it doesn't matter how many naps we take. Now, we go get to naps, and I'm going to say good things about naps, so, so don't shout me down. Naps are good. It's funny. When you're a little kid, naps are the worst punishment ever. But when you get older, naps are the best thing that ever happened to you. So... But they don't offer you naps when you get older. So that's the only part that stinks. It's like, somebody offered me a nap here. Now I get in trouble for taking a nap. You used to want me to. Okay, we're going to say good things about naps. But notice, if you're not at rest in your soul, you could take naps every day at your life, and you're still going to wake up tired, fatigued, stressed out, and not at rest. Why? Because you don't have rest in your soul, because that's a root issue. We need to get to the the root of the issue, and it's deeper than just a physical rest. We need to physically rest our bodies, and that is proven not just in the secular world, but God has said that you need to rest your body, and we're going to get into that today. But we need rest for our souls. Now, don't be offended or condemned when I say this, but most people, when you ask them, how are you doing? Or what are you up to? The two most common words are busy and tired. Busy and tired. Everybody said that. Let's all just relax. Everybody said that. I've said that. Let's put this into perspective. Do you think when God created the whole creation... And God created the life he wanted to have for mankind. And we are the prize and the centerpiece of his creation. That he would want us to say that the theme of our life is busy and tired. 
Those are the two words that God said. I want my man to say his life is busy and tired. Out of all the words in the English dictionary you could describe your life, most people say, come on, say amen. You know it's the truth. You've said it. I've said it. How you doing? Tired. What you been up to? Busy. Doing what? Busy. Just a lot of stuff going on. Everybody says that. Like, but give me details. Give me details. What's going on? Busy. Is that what God wants for us? It's not. And I realize most people are in that category. If you ask any person on the planet, but especially somebody in the United States of America, how are you? Tired. Busy. But you're not at rest. I think God says in his word, if we were listening to what he has to say, what if somebody actually said this, and, and not being ultra spiritual saying this, like you're really not this way, but you're just saying this to show off for people. But if you could genuinely say, when somebody says, how are you doing? You said, rested. He would say, what is the matter with you? Have you been on vacation for a couple months? But that's what God wants us to be able to say. Even if we have a full productive life, we could still say that. Now, I know I'm going somewhere today. What if when somebody said, how are you doing? You said, I'm at peace. And genuinely be able to say it and mean it. Not one of those, I'm so blessed, I would need two of me to receive it. Okay, you're a liar and that's not true. That's not true. Let's ask your family if that's true. Because it's not true. I know you're trying to say your positive confession because you're at church. But still, that's not true. But God wants you to genuinely be able to say, how are you doing? At peace, rested, joyful, content, not worried. That's what God wants us to be able to say. Instead of busy and tired. Am am I saying something so far this morning? Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're all in the same boat together. So let's just, might as well just paddle together. Because we're going the same direction here. We've all said it. Busy and tired. And I'm saying we are living far beneath what God has given us. And prepared for us, if we are the masterpiece of his creation, he doesn't want his creation, their life, the theme of it, to be busy, tired, worn out, burnout, fatigued, stressed, ready for the weekend, ready for my life to be over, ready for this job to be over with. That's not what God wants for us. And that's where most people lived, saved and unsaved. And that's not what God wants for us. But just imagine if you could genuinely, and let's say that's all of our goals in here. To be able to one day say, when somebody says, how are you doing? Rested? Joyful? At peace? I got a full life. I'm not saying you're not productive. You have a full schedule and a full life. You're not tired, though. You're full of the strength and life of God. Can we say that? It's possible. I'm saying most people don't live there, but I'm telling you, that's possible. We can live there. It's not just, like I said last week, it's not just preacher talk. If the Bible says we can live there and we can have it, then we can have it. Just because we have so many bad examples of not having what the Bible says doesn't mean we can't have what the Bible says we can have. And God wants rest for your your soul. All right, let's go in the book of Genesis 1. Y'all get me warmed up now. Genesis 1. 
Genesis 1 and 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now we know that God created everything, and it gives us this account in Genesis of there were seven days, and he created different things on every day of the week. And notice in Genesis chapter 2, this is the end of it. And he says, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from his work, which he had done. And then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So we see that this idea of rest goes all the way back to the beginning. God gives us an example in the book of Genesis of rest. And we're going to get into this word today because it's so powerful. And I got another word for you. Last week we talked about anxious. I got another word for you. This word starts coming up all the way back in Genesis 1 and 2. And it's this word that God uses for the word rest. And it's called Sabbath. Some of you heard that word. Let's say it together. Sabbath. Not black Sabbath. Sabbath. Way before black Sabbath was ever a thought, there was the day of Sabbath. So, little musician joke there. Oh my gosh, you can't say that on a Sunday morning at church. But this word Sabbath, it comes from a Hebrew word, and this is what it means. And I'll give you some definitions. You don't have to write all these down, but it's, it's a big word. Like we mentioned last week, if you really look into the Greek and Hebrew languages, they're far more advanced than English. And if you really study your Bible, it's fun to find words like this because it means that there's so much more meaning than you can get out of just one English word. So it says, on the seventh day after God had finished everything, it says he rested. God rested on the seventh day after he'd finished all his creation, after he'd finished all his work. On the seventh day, God rested. That word rested or rest is the word Sabbath. Now, the word Sabbath means many things, but here are some of the things it means. When God says he rested or he Sabbath in the Hebrew, it means to rest, to cease, to stop, to reflect. I love this definition. It means to cease from movement or labor in order to recover strength. I'm going to read that one more time. That's one of the definitions of this word Sabbath, to cease from movement or labor in order to recover strength. So we see that God instituted this word Sabbath or rest. He shows us this in the beginning. And it's important because he showed this all the way back in the book of Genesis. Now, God knew that his creation needed rest. We're not designed physically or emotionally to just keep going, 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 and never rest. That's why most people have mental breakdowns, emotional breakdowns, 
Physically, their body breaks down. Why? Because you push, 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 and go work, work, and do all this, and eventually it catches up to you. Why? Because God never created you to be like that. You're not a robot. You're not a machine. You're not the Energizer Bunny. You need a rest. And you can't handle it. And he knew that, and he said, that's why I'm going to put this in creation, that you need to rest. You need to rest. And you need to have rest for your souls because we're not meant to live like that. And notice what happens, and most people live there. They are emotionally and physically and mentally unhealthy because they never rest. And they wonder why they're crying all the time. They wonder why they blow up on people all the time. They wonder why they have physical issues all the time. The root of it is there's no rest in your soul. Well, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good on a Sunday morning. (laughs) So, God put this in creation. He says you need to work six days and you rest on the seventh. Work six days and rest on the seventh. That's what God put in creation. And notice, God put this into not just mankind, but he put this into all creation. You realize the entire planet runs like this. Not just humans, animals, they need rest. The environment, it needs rest. It's true. Now, I know some of you Republicans don't want to hear this, but let me tell you. The reason there is issues in the environment today, not all of them, not all of them. Don't throw anything at me. But there is validity that we have trashed this planet Because we haven't let it rest. Is that not the truth? That is the truth. And there is issues in the environment today. Because mankind has, notice, not done what God said. Just pushed the planet, pushed the planet, pushed natural resources. Pushed it, pushed it. Why? Because they want more. They want better. They want money. And it's, infe- it's affected, notice, our rivers, our mountains. It's affected the environment. Why? Because they don't let it rest. Is that not the truth? And so God put this not just into mankind, but he even put this into creation. And we notice that creation can't handle it. And that's why we have the, the issues we have. That's why we have the natural disasters we have. That's why it says in the Word of God that the the earth is groaning and travailing because of what we've done to it as mankind. We haven't let it rest. All right. Thank you. But God put that not just into mankind, but He put it into creation. He put that into the animal kingdom. And we know that if we don't let it rest, it won't produce. We know that even with the crops. You can't just plant, 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 plant and never get it, give it rest. It's not going to work. Guess who knew that before a farmer? God did. And he said, you need to let it rest. You need to let the environment rest. You need to let the world let rest. You need to let your crops and agriculture rest. Why? Because it's not meant to just work, work, work. It's not a machine. It's not a robot. Mankind is not a robot. The creation is something that needs rest. You guys picking up what I'm laying down this morning. And so he put that into the rhythm of the world. We need that. The earth needs that. 
And we know that most people on the planet live by a seven-day week. Right? They live by a seven-day week. Now, God put that into creation, that rhythm. Why do, we, why do we all? There's a lot of people on the planet. Why do we live by a seven-day week? Well, God set it up that way. Because he said, you can work six, but you need to rest on the seventh. And so God put that into creation, but he put that into mankind, and we need rest. And notice, when we don't rest our, our bodies or we don't rest the earth, there's always issues. There's always consequences to not resting. And so, notice God rested on the seventh day. Now, there's a difference between you and God. Hopefully you guys know that by now. Um, God doesn't need to rest because he's tired. God didn't rest because he was tired. We need to rest because we're tired, but God didn't need to rest. He was showing us as an example on how we should live. He worked six days and rested on the seventh. Now he didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he was done. Come on, where's my organ at? Where's my organ at? Come on, I thought I had one Pentecostal in here. So God rested not because he was tired, but because he was done. He was done with all his work. So he rested. And also to give us an example of rest, we need to rest. If God says you need to rest, then you need to rest. If God can make time in his calendar to work six days and have a day of rest on the seventh, then you can. And so God rested on the seventh, not because he was tired. He rested because he was done. Still here. I know I'm doing some teaching, but it's good for you. Um, Let's go back to... The Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark. You guys getting something this morning? Hopefully I'm explaining this the way that I need to explain it. I've been thinking about this a lot and studying about it. And this is one of those messages I wouldn't say I'm perfected at because I'm definitely not. But we're working on this together. And before we read in, in Mark, we'll get there in a second. Let me say something about Moses in the Old Testament. Now, we see that rest was in the garden in the beginning. God rested, and he said, mankind, you need to rest. You need to let the earth rest because it won't produce. There will be consequences because you haven't rested because it can't handle it. Um, And God said, you need to rest. And Moses, we know Moses in the Old Testament, when he brought God's people out of bondage, and they were going to the promised land, they were in the wilderness for 40 uh, years. 40 years. And when they were going into the wilderness, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Most of you have heard of the Ten Commandments. And one of the Ten Commandments is, you shall keep the Sabbath day holy. He commanded all those people that were coming out of bondage into freedom. He said, you need to keep the Sabbath day or the day of rest holy. Because it's unto me as worship. Now, he put that in the Ten Commandments because it was important. He brought that all the way from the book of Genesis into the Old Testament where Moses was. And he said, 
I'm giving you, notice God gives us these laws not because he's trying to restrict us, but because he's trying to bring us into freedom. So God gave him the Ten Commandments and said, I want you to live this way, not because I'm trying to keep you from doing something you want to do. I'm trying to get you into what I want you to get into, and you can't do it without rest. And so one of the Ten Commandments were, you shall keep the Sabbath day. What does Sabbath mean? Rest. A day of rest unto me, and it shall be holy. And it's a law that you have to keep that. And notice, why did God do that? It wasn't to restrict them. It was because he knew you need to chill out and rest one day a week. Because you can't handle it. Because you're not God. You need rest. Now, he said you work six days and you rest on the seventh. Work six days and rest on the seventh. Now, he also, in those laws in the Old Testament, once again, I mentioned this earlier, he said to all the people who had crops or farms, agriculture, he said, you need to work the land six years and let it rest on the seventh. That's what he said. Now, why did he say that? Because God knew better than those farmers even had time to research. You can't keep pushing, pushing, pushing your agriculture because there will be consequences. You need to work at six and then rest it on the seventh day. Why? So it will have time to refresh itself so it can produce more. In the same way you rest so you can refresh yourself so you can produce what God wants you to produce. Are you in the house this morning? And God said, I want you to rest, to take this day and rest once a week. Now, when they were in the wilderness, God sent them manna. And manna was bread. God sent them bread. God literally rained down bread from heaven every morning. So when they woke up, just like there was dew on the ground, there was bread for all those people. Some would say hundreds of thousands of people. Some would say millions of God's people in a desert. And God rained down bread every day. But there's something interesting. He said, on the sixth day, I'm going to give you double. So you won't have to pick any bread on the Sabbath day. Because he wanted you to rest. To the point, he said, I don't even want you to have to go find this bread on the seventh day. I'll give you double on the sixth day. Where am I at? Where am I at? Come on now. <laughs> I'm preaching better than you responding. I got to <laughs> stomp my foot to get a little rhythm going here. He said, I'll give you double on the sixth day. Why? So you can sustain yourself and rest on the seventh day. If it was good enough for them... It's good enough for us in 2016. If you work seven days a week, you're wrong. I got to take off my coat. It's all now. <laughs> Getting too hot up in this Methodist church. Let me say that one more time. If you work seven days a week, you're wrong. In the nicest pastoral way possible, you're wrong. And you know why? Who's hurting? You are. You're destroying your body. You're destroying your life. You're destroying your emotions. You're destroying everything God has blessed you with because you are not intended to work every day of your life. You need rest for your souls. Come on now, somebody. 
And you know what? If they keep giving you overtime every weekend, find a new job or something because you aren't meant to just work and work and work and be a machine and be a robot and just go through the motions for the sake of your life. Think about your life. Think about your emotional health. Think about your physical health. It's not all about money. It's about your life. And notice he said, I'll give you double, meaning that God can give you provision if you keep what he says to keep, that you won't have to work extra days all the time for the sake of money. He says, if you obey me and follow me and put me first and give yourself a day of rest like I told you to, and notice when we don't rest, what is that saying? I don't trust you, God. I need to be my own provider. And so God said, this is in the Old Testament. How much better? We're in the New Covenant, the New Testament. God said, if you work six days, I'll give you double on the sixth day so you can have more than enough on the seventh. You won't have to do anything then. You guys picking up what I'm laying down this morning? I'm trying to help you this morning. And he said, I want this day to be a holy day, and it's a blessed day unto me. I love this. Some of the the way that they describe it, if you look up the day of Sabbath, is God gave a day of Sabbath every week. It's a day to celebrate. It's not just a day to sleep the day away. It's a day to celebrate. It's a day to reflect and look back on your week in the same way that God worked six days and look back on his week on the seventh day and said it was good, that you can work every week and look back at your week and say it was good. And reflect back on what God has done in your life every week. And reflect back on what he's used you to do on the gifts and graces in a day to be thankful that he's provided for you all week. To be thankful that he got you through a new week. To be thankful you passed the tests that you thought you wouldn't pass in high school. To be thankful for what God is doing in your life. You take the seventh day to look back and you rest. So it's a day to celebrate Life, but to celebrate what God is doing. It's a day to reflect and look back at your week, what God has done. And I love this. And it's to remind yourself, you aren't God. To remind yourself, you're not God. And you know what? If you go to sleep, the world doesn't stop. Come on now. If you take a nap, guess what? Nobody's crying about it. The world's still spinning. People are still making money, and the world goes on even if you take a nap. When you go to sleep at night, guess what? The world still goes on even though you're sleeping. Why? Because you're not God, and you're not the center of the universe, and we need a day to reflect and remind ourselves of that because we're not the source of our life. And notice, why do we remind ourselves? Because when we don't, we'll get into the habit and we're stressed out. Why? Because you think you're in charge. And you think you're the center of the universe. And you think if you don't provide for yourself, it won't happen. And you take a day like this and say, you know what? I'm not God. You are. (laughs) If I take a nap, guess what? The world goes on. All 7 billion plus people are still having a good time, even if I take a nap right now. The world still continues because I'm not the center of it. God is the center of it. Provision is still coming even though I'm not working. Why? Because God is my provider. 
Are you picking up what I'm laying down this morning? I'm trying to do the best I can do. And you got to remind yourself, and I know every time I say that, I can feel that. The pride in all of us was to say, mm. but you're not God. We're not. We're sons and daughters of God, but we're not God. We're not sustaining this thing. We're not sustaining the universe. We're not making the earth move. We're not making creation flow. We're not doing it. We are important. We are sons and daughters of God, but we're not the center of the universe. And we've got to remind ourselves. And you know what? When you remind yourself, stress leaves. (laughs) Anxiety leaves. The world is not depending on you and every move you make and everything you say to survive. It's not up to you. It's up to God. I love this in the Old Testament. Moses implies that rest is worship to God. Shocking. Now, I didn't say being lazy is worship to God. But I said rest is worship to God. When you take time in your life like this, whether you take a day or you take an afternoon or you take a moment and you rest like this, it's worship to God. Because it's acknowledging, God, you are the center of this. You are the source of this. I can rest because you have this in control. And it says it's holy unto God. It's holy unto God. It's a day to rest and reflect and to look back at our week and look back at what God has done. And it's actually worship. In the same way you come up here and sing songs and lift your hands and worship God, resting is worship. It's worship to God when we rest. Now let's look at Matthew 2. You guys getting something this morning? Matthew 2, and we're going to read here in a moment about Jesus and the day of Sabbath. Now, I mentioned that Moses commanded in the Ten Commandments that you'll take a day of rest, Sabbath day. And you'll keep it holy. But what happened was, just like all the other things that God intended for good, man got involved in it and messed it up. So this is what happened. When God originally gave the Ten Commandments or laws for his people, they were good. They were to bring them into freedom. But what happened is the religious people of their day said, well, that's not good enough. I need to give you some rules about the rules. Man got involved and said, I need to give you rules about what God gave you as a rule. Now, that's when it gets messed up. And so what happens is a lot of the Old Testament commandments, religious people, the priest and other people made hundreds of laws pertaining to the one law that God gave them. So what was meant to be freedom actually brought them back into bondage. And that's what was going on when Jesus came on the scene. Because, as you know, he lived and he was from a Jewish Hebrew community, raised up. So they kept the Sabbath day. But what happened was, by the time that Jesus came on the scene, there were so many extra laws about the Sabbath day that there was no rest actually happening on the Sabbath day 
because you were afraid you were going to break a rule on the Sabbath day. Crazy. So the day you're supposed to chill out, people are so uptight because there's hundreds of laws you can't break on the day of rest. Stuff like this. Like you can only walk this far. And you can only eat this much. And you can only wear these clothes. And you can only do this much. So instead of having a rested, peaceful, reflective day to celebrate, you're uptight. You're just like, oh my gosh. I got got my Fitbit counter. And I'm already out of steps for the day and I'm hungry. I'll break a law if I go to the refrigerator right now. Because I'm out of steps. The law says I can only take this many steps on the Sabbath day or I'm not resting. Do you see how crazy that was? And that's what was happening. That's just one of many. There was hundreds of laws that man gave to make people uptight on the day they should rest. So, here comes Jesus. Come on, Miss Kenny. Here comes Jesus to save the day. So Jesus comes, and this is what happened. This is one of many examples. Mark 2 and 23 Mark 2 and 23, it says, Now it happened that when he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, on the, on the day of rest, as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. Uh-oh. They just went to the 7-Eleven and got some snacks. That's all they were doing. And the Pharisees, religious people, said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry? And those who were with him. He went into the house of God. And with the high priest. And ate the showbread. Which is not lawful to eat. Except for the priest. And also gave some to those who were with them. And he said to them. Jesus said. The Sabbath was made for man. Not the man made for Sabbath. Verse 28. Jesus says. Therefore the son of man. Is also the Lord of Sabbath. I know when I say Sabbath, it doesn't have the right ring to it. But understanding the definition, he's saying that rest was made for man, not man made for rest. And that Jesus is the Lord of rest. The Lord of rest. He was saying, you guys completely missed the point. This is supposed to be a day to rest and reflect And to celebrate God. But you have so many laws. That nobody's even relaxing. Because they feel like they're going to break a law. That you made up not God. And God said. Notice. This day. is not about keeping these laws. It's made for man. For man to rest. And he is the Lord of Sabbath. The Lord of rest. There's an account in the gospels. Where Jesus healed somebody. On the Sabbath day. On the day of rest. Think about religious people. They got mad at Jesus for healing somebody on the Sabbath day because he said, well, you're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath day. I'm surprised Jesus didn't slap the mess out of their face. Come over here. He should have. He should have. And Jesus said, what are you talking about? The Sabbath day is for people. Not to keep these laws that are keeping people stressed out. And he said, this lady has been sick here for all these years and you guys didn't do anything about it. 
So guess what? If I heal somebody on the day of rest, that's the point in the first place. The Sabbath or rest day should be a day of healing. It should be a day of health. It should be a day of refreshing. It should be a day of rest. Not to keep laws that keep you stressed out. So notice Jesus had to come and say, Hey, you guys have missed the point. Notice in the beginning when God said it, they had it right. They had the heart of it right. But man got involved like we always do. And we twist what God meant to help us and it ends up hurting us. And Jesus had to bring balance. He said, no, it's not about that. The day of rest is for healing and wholeness and soundness. It's not just to keep laws. And that's why God put it in place. Now, we're going somewhere today. Stay with me. I got a couple more verses, but I'm going to give you some, some things to think about before we leave. You guys still here with me? Let's look over at Matthew 11 and verse 28. Matthew 11 and verse 28. Now, talking about rest today, rest for your souls. So we see that God put into creation from Genesis to Moses to all the people in the Old Testament under the law. To the New Testament, they celebrated and honored the day of Sabbath, the day of rest. Now, we know this. We're not under a law in the New Testament. We're not under a law. We don't have to do this under a law. But God put this in place because it was wisdom for us to do it. You can say, well, I'm not under the Ten Commandments, which you're not, but it's still good not to murder a person. Right? I'm not under the law. Okay, but it's still good not to murder a person. Don't steal anything. That's still valid. Same way with the Sabbath day, the day of rest. You don't have to do it, but notice God put it in place for you because he knew you needed it. So I think that as New Testament believers who are wise, because we know God's word, we need to take a day every week like this. We're going to talk more about it. Not because you're obligated to because you're being wise and you're honoring God when you do this. And he knows it's good for you. You need it. But the heart of Jesus was this, not just to have us restful and at rest in our souls on a day, but Jesus came to bring rest for our souls. Not just for a day, but to live a life of rest. In Matthew 11, in verse 28, says this. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor. Notice, labor. What is labor? You're working. You're working. You're working. And are heavy laden. And what happens when you work like that? It becomes a burden on your shoulder that you can't carry. And I will give you rest. Give you rest. It's that same word, rest, Sabbath. To cease, to stop, to regain your strength because you rested in God. In verse 29, it says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And notice, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Now, I know I'm explaining a lot of stuff. Hopefully you're following me today. When he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, he's not talking the way he wants his eggs. Okay, he's not talking about the way he wants his eggs. Now, <laughs> over medium for me, usually. Um, he's talking about when they say yoke, yoke was all the teachers of that day or the rabbis, which Jesus was, had a yoke, which yoke meant their teaching, their way of doing life. So each rabbi or teacher would have a different yoke or a different slant on the way they saw the Bible or interpreted the scriptures. But the thing that was known about most rabbis and religious people of that day was most of them were hard and unmerciful. And they were like the people that we talked about earlier. They made so many laws, you couldn't even rest if you wanted to. And Jesus says, no, that's not the way I want it. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, no, if you take my way of doing things, God's way, if you take my teachings, notice my yoke is easy and my burden is light. <laughs> it's not a yoke of bondage. It's not a yoke of stress. It's, a, it's not a book of, a book of uh, all these commandments that I'm freaking out all the time because I don't want to break that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I, oh, my gosh. All the time, he says, I came that you might have rest. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, and you will have rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So saying, when we take up what Jesus says, his word, live the way that he wants us to live, it should be light and easy. So realize, if our life isn't light and easy, maybe we're not following what he said. Maybe we're not living the way that he wants us to live by not taking rest. Because he says there's rest available for us and it's rest for our souls. Now, we're going to turn to one last passage as we close, but I want to say a couple of practical things before we, before we end today. Psalm 23. Well, one person. Thanks, Mom. Always supportive. Thank you, Mom. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. My mom's just here supporting me. Thank you on the front row. Come on, your mom will tell you you did good even if you didn't. So, <laughs> joking. So, Jesus wants us to live a lifestyle of rest, not just have a day of rest. Have rest for our souls. Have rest for our souls. Because his yoke is easy and his burden's light. Okay, before we read Psalm 23, real practically, I want to say this about having a day of rest. Because it's not either or. It's not like, well, I live a lifestyle of rest, but I never actually take a day of rest. They go together. So we need to actually, literally, take a day of rest every week. I know all of you are saying, I don't have time. That's the issue. You need time. If God said you need it, you need it. <laughs> it's for you. It's for your health. It's for your future. You need rest for your souls. 
So let me say this. If you can't take one day a week and do this, start with a few hours a week. Start with half a day. And let me explain to you what this is because I've done a lot of study about this. This is not a time to go pay your bills. This is not a time to clean the house. This is not a time to run all your errands that stress you out. This is a time to actually rest. Doesn't mean you have to take a nap. Naps wouldn't hurt. Can I get amen? But it's a time to rest and reflect. Do something during this period of time that brings refreshing to you. Are you here? There was two questions when I was reading about the book of, or the, about the day of Sabbath is this. How do you know if it's Sabbath or rest? There's two questions you need to ask about the activity that you're doing. Is it worship and is it rest? Is it worship and is it rest? So if you're out running errands, being stressed out, it's not it. If you're cleaning the house frantically, it's not it. If you're doing something you don't enjoy that's stressing you out, it's not it. Do something that refreshes you. That might mean you just have to lay around the house and relax and eat a good meal and just be thankful that morning. But why? I got stuff to do. Chill out. Chill out. You need that. And when you do that, that's not you being lazy. That's worship to God. Now, if your Sabbath day is every day, all day, (laughs) then you're playing games because that's not what I'm talking about. You're just lazy. Well, I take a Sabbath day every day. I just lay around all day and eat food and watch Netflix, and that's my whole life. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. What did God say? You work six, you rest on the seven. Do something that refreshes you. If you can't take a whole day, you can take a half a day. How many like food in here? Come on. Go eat a good meal. At a good place, not McDonald's. No, I'm not throwing any shade, but no, no McDonald's. A good place to eat. Or cook a good meal. Go outside and take a walk. You're just like, our pastor is becoming very new age. <laughs> no, it's true. It's good for you to get some fresh air, go outside, take a walk, and realize all this creation is sustained not by me, but by God. And you feel better. Yeah, I, I take drives sometimes. Dad takes drives. Mom take, takes drives. We like to drive out in the country. Do something like that. What about the people that refresh you in your life? That's the time to be with those people. <laughs> Don't schedule your Sabbath day with the person that annoys you. It's going to backfire on you. Get around people that refresh you. I'll just, I'll just throw this out to you. Not that there's any favorites in the house of God. But you know what? If I'm wanting a restful day, Chad Steele's usually on that day's agenda. Because me and Chad have a good time together. 
And I don't feel stressed out when I'm with Chad. I feel like I can relax. That's just an example. I'm not saying you guys don't help me. I'm just saying, Chad Steele. Can I get amen? Spend some time with somebody like that you like. I know for myself, now don't throw anything at me, please. Um, I like to exercise. That helps me. Don't say that about the Sabbath day. But you know what? If exercising stresses you out that much, don't do it on your Sabbath day. Not that you don't need to still do something, but don't do it on your Sabbath day. For me, when I go to the gym or I go work out and I get some exercise, I feel better. Not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, I feel better. Because it's proven in in the secular world that it does. It relieves stress. It helps you. And so that's something that that you can do on your Sabbath day. So ask yourself, is it worship and is it rest? Because God wants you to have rest for your souls. And notice, every time you do that, every week, you refresh yourself to be able to work next week, to be able to produce next week. But if you don't do that, you'll end up in a really bad place, a really unhealthy place emotionally and physically. Because when we do that, we really recenter ourselves and refresh ourselves in God. And he can give us rest for our souls. Maybe you guys like to read. You can read a good book uh, about God or your relationship with God. You can get into the Bible. Or maybe you like to listen to music. Go listen to music that blesses you and refreshes you. It's okay to do stuff for your soul that helps your soul. I'm not talking about sinful, crazy stuff. But there is things that help your soul. You know, when you eat a good meal, it makes you feel better. That's not sinful. Some of you are grumpy right now because you need to go eat lunch. Isn't that right? See, I get like that too. I get real quiet when I get really hungry. Because I'm like, if I say something right now, it's not going to be nice. So I need to just keep my mouth shut before I go eat. But notice, what does it do? It refreshes your soul. You physically feel better, but your soul. When you hear good music, it refreshes your soul. I'm talking uplifting music, not, not bump and grind music on the radio station. I'm talking uplifting music. Oh, this refreshes my soul. No, it doesn't. The devil is a liar. That's not true. <laughs> Reading a good book refreshes your soul. Being with the right people refreshes your soul. Taking a nap refreshes your soul. And God is okay with that. And God wants that for you because... The Sabbath day is meant for man to rest. And he wants to refresh our souls. I know I said a lot today. We're going to close here. Did you guys get some today? Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Notice, he restores my soul. There's that word again. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. But notice what God says. He'll make me lie down in green pastures. He will lead me beside still waters. What is that picture? That's rest. That's refreshing. That's not stress and worry and and working hard to make some more money. Notice in verse 3, he restores my soul. Why does he restore your soul? Because you... Rested. Because you rested, he can restore your soul. He can't restore your soul if you're not going to 
give him an opportunity to rest. I love this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Let's just say a beautiful field without bugs. Without bugs. Because there's no relaxation if there's a lot of bugs in that field. But let's just say a beautiful field and it's guaranteed no bugs in that field. You can just jump in it and there's no bugs. No snakes in there. No bugs in there. Just relaxing. That's refreshing. Or if you've been by a stream uh, with water or you've been to the ocean, you know how refreshing that is just to get around water. And notice what happens. God says that's what he wants to restore our soul. He wants to restore our soul. My prayer for this message in this series is that we would live lives that are rested. Live lives that we could say that God has restored my soul. That God has restored my mind, my will, my emotions, my thoughts, my feelings. Why? Because I gave him this day of rest. And I've lived this lifestyle rest. And like Jesus said, I've come to give rest for your souls. It's important. God cares about you. That means all of you. Not just your spirit that's going to heaven. God cares about all of you. Your spirit, your soul, and your body. And he wants you healthy and whole. Spirit, soul, and body. So God wants us to rest. God wants us to chill out and Take time to stop and reflect every week. You know, you could do a little bit of this every day and it would help you. And notice we do it not because we have to do it or we're going to be breaking God's law if we don't do it. God put this in place for us because he loves us and he wants us to experience this kind of rest and restoration for our soul. Now I'm going to read this in the message and we're going to close today. Thank you guys for being patient with me today. Rest for your soul. I love this. Let's just listen to this. This is uh, the Psalm of David, verse twenty or chapter twenty three in the message. It says this: God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath. And you send me in the right direction. You know, that's what you do when you rest and you let God restore you. You catch your breath again. You get a second wind again. Verse 4, it says, even when the way goes through death valley... I'm not afraid. When you walk at my side, your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in the front of my enemies. Listen to this. You revive my drooping head, my cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and your love chase after me every day of my life. And I love this part. Sorry. Your beauty and your love chase after me every day of my life, and I'm back at home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Did you guys get something this morning?